the latest episode of BAM Sports Entertainment Weekly. We are your hosts. I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by the one, the only, the Matthew. Bonjour! How's everybody doing? We hope you're doing well. Shout out Wipeout Audio for the theme song. Uh, Boris, what's up, man? We just saw Nick Gage carve a human to, to pieces we did. That's something that happened. That is something that happened. <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing pretty good. It's a super busy day. I literally have not stopped. It's been so crazy. But let's keep the train moving because on this week's episode of BAM, we're going to be talking about ROH TV from this past weekend. We're going to be talking about GCW's homecoming, specifically night one, part one, which featured Nick Gage versus Matt Cardona. We are going to be talking slightly about New Japan Pro Wrestling, but the main event of tonight is going to be MLW's Battle Riot, Battle Riot 3, and we're going to be talking all about that event, which was free and still is free on YouTube. Yes, sir. Yeah. It's uh, 90 minutes, about uh, 85 to 90 uh, to ninety minutes. It's, it's, it's a pretty easy, quick watch. You get a good Dario Cueto promo in there. Not the new Cesar Duran, formerly. Yep. The artist formerly known as Dario Cueto. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very entertaining. A good Royal Rumble. Yep, it was pretty fun. Um, we'll, we're going to get into that in a little bit, but before that, how's your day? How's, how's, it, how's it hanging since the last time I saw you about, uh, what, uh, 22 hours ago? <laughs> yeah, about 22 hours ago. Uh, you know, not much has changed, my friend, to be honest, but yeah, life is good. Enjoying a day off, getting some things done around the house, uh, catching up on some video games, you know, catching up on some uh, some various house cleaning and stuff. Yeah, nothing, uh, nothing too extravagant buddy but yeah. uh yeah it's, you know beautiful day in toronto yeah it was, it was it started off really good like really comfortable outside but then i went on a walk with my nephew and holy crap was it just humid as fuck by the end of the afternoon it was crazy it was but it was it was great beautiful day yeah yeah started off nice yeah I, I, like you said got a little humid but it is what it is but yeah man uh life is life is pretty good Hanging in yeah. there. Uh, I, 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 I was talking to an Uber uh, driver of mine recently. He was getting pretty, uh, pretty intense with the whole vaccination thing and whatever. Nice. And I was just like, man, we're very, very lucky to be where we are. And, you know, Toronto's kind of got things under control. So, yeah. There's yep. lo- there's much to be there's much to be happy about there's much to be excited about the Toronto Blue Jays they're going to be back in what two three days yep on Friday so tomorrow if you're listening to this when this come when it comes out yeah so fr- this Friday July the thirtieth um, we are going to get some baseball back in Toronto I'm super excited for that fifteen thousand people as we talked about before behind the plate it's essentially going to be a free-for-all um, <laughs> and then you know on the sides and the outfield it is going to be socially distanced you know quote-unquote pods aka you know a um, couple seats here couple seats there are going to be used but for a total of fifteen thousand people down in the lower bowl yeah, on the on the sides, it's going to be a little bit like it's going to be Chris Jericho, and behind the plate, it's going to be full pain maker. Yep, <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. We'll see what happens. And what's interesting is that on Friday they are honoring uh, first responders, healthcare workers, and whatnot. So uh, 
yeah, it'll be inter- uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see where they sit. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Do they have their choice, or are they going to shoehorn them into the danger zone behind the plate? They don't even know where they're sitting. Um, I have a friend. <laughs> she's a uh, a respiratory therapist at Toronto General, and she, her, a friend, and her daughter are going to the game. Uh, so she has no idea. All she knows is she has to be there at 5 p.m. because they're going to do some ceremony for them before the game. But aside from that, she has zero details. She just knows when and where to show up. Wow. That's interesting. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I guess I want to say kudos to them, but I, I feel like that could be done in a little bit of a better way. Who knows? I don't know. I'm not there. We'll see. We'll yeah. see how that goes. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, so that that's, yeah, I'm super excited for that game. Uh, got more TFC games. So on Monday for season ticket holders and supporters, uh, you were able to purchase tickets for all of the August games which is three of them. So that's pretty cool. Uh, so secured all those tickets. Um, I'm only going to go on Sunday. Aside from that, you know, my family is going to be going. I don't want to nice. I don't want to risk it too much. But uh, yeah, you know, and, and I have other stuff to do. So um, I'm only going to go on Sunday. So that's going to be fun. And it's a long weekend here. Um, I'm making it into a long weekend also because typically a lot of people don't get it off. It is just a, you know, a civic holiday. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's yes. but most people do get it. Like it's in the summer. Why wouldn't you take it and give it? Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah, for sure. Take advantage of that long weekend. Yeah, I think I'm 99% sure I get it off. I will be enjoying the fruits of the long weekend myself. And yeah, Good. man, TFC is awful this year. It's not the kind of thing that you need to go to every single game. Oh, no, no, no. They're, it's no, they, no, hold on, hold on. Stop. Slow your Canadians. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, there's so many things I was going to say, but hold your horses. Um, TFC was awful under their previous manager. Uh, their one wins, zero losses, two ties with the new manager. And personally, just because oh, oh. of some of the, some of the things that happened, essentially Josie Altador, their main striker, uh, had a falling out with the coach to the point where he wasn't allowed to, uh, even train with the team. So I'm pretty sure that as soon as that happened, he lost the coach lost the entire locker room um, because how can you go from losing 7-1 to a team that's just as bad as you to we winning 3-2 um, and and like a decisive win the, the score line at the end of the game didn't justify the right. game um, beating the top ranked team in the league so okay. go figure okay. it's just one of those things. so you're telling me so you're telling me they quit on the coach super hard and now they've got a new coach and they're here to play a little more Pretty much. Okay, cool. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm not throwing shade at TFC as a franchise. They've done an incredible job. I was just saying they're having a down season. It's kind of like a oh, rebuild yeah. year, much like the Raptors ran into. Much like NXT. It's all about rebuilding, buddy. buddy. Exactly. Sometimes you got to reshuffle the deck. Sometimes you're discombobulated and you must recombobulate. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, <laughs> speaking of hockey, before we touch on your beloved oh. Canadians. Uh, okay. The Vegas Golden Knights made moves. Yeah, trading Marc-Andre Fleury for a bag of pucks and uh, uh, season three of Letterkenny on DVD. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> What's going on? Oh, Marc-Andre Fleury, Ferda. Fucking <laughs> pour one out, Ferda. 
No, yeah. I, I don't know. I guess it makes sense because he's contemplating retirement and cap space is a valuable commodity, especially when you're Vegas and you just seem to throw it around like they're yeah. doing now. But uh, yeah, no, that that's a tough beat for Marc-Andre Fleury to win the Vesna trophy, to be like the face of the franchise on this team for a couple of years and, and to be like to find out that you're traded on social media after you went to Vegas because Pittsburgh kind of did you dirty and Pittsburgh gave up on you too early. And then you went to Vegas, you made the Stanley cup final. You won the, the trophy for best goalie this season. He's, he's, he's the defending champion of the best goalie trophy right now. And he gets traded for a sack of beans in the off season because he's old and he makes a lot of money. Yep. It's insane. Like it's sad to see, but you know, in a cap uh, league, this is, this stuff is going to happen right like i'm sure that there are people who are writing some amazing stories some some fan fiction about how they're pissed off about how we played against montreal and that's what's causing this and this and that but uh you know if you understand anything about the business side of the nhl and the cap that is you know you you, you know exactly what's actually going on yeah and they say that the cap is going to be flat for a couple of years but i do think the addition of seattle will help uh, Seattle's going to be decent off the hop. They might, they're not going to be as good as Vegas, but I think they're going to be like a contender for a playoff spot in a year or two. They'll be okay long term. Well, It'll be very interesting. Great market. Vegas, sorry, Seattle was very, uh, they were very um, safe with their picks. They didn't do it the way that Vegas did, right? Like Vegas was destined no. to make the playoffs. Everyone knew Vegas was going to be good on paper, but you know, now we're seeing that they're making moves. Like so early in their existence, they're making moves um because they have limited cap. Whereas Seattle, I can see them actually uh, doing half decent and being buyers at the trade deadline and actually really going hard on the off season, like next off season uh, for free agency. They, they went, they're going pretty hard right now. They signed Philip Grubauer yeah. out from under the Maple Leafs. It, there was a lot of rumors that Toronto was going to try to get him, and it was kind of down to Toronto and Seattle. And then he went to Seattle, which I think is pretty surprising because yeah. he formerly played with Colorado, and they're a Stanley Cup contender. Colorado's a really good young team, and I figured that he was going to go to a similar team, and Toronto kind of fits that bill. Seattle, I don't know that they do, you know what I mean? But we'll see. We'll see, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let's talk about your Canadians. Let, can you summarize yeah. to our listeners who probably don't give a shit about hockey, what the hell is going on with the Montreal Canadiens? Okay, so in a nutshell, it's been a very up and down uh, roller coaster of an offseason for the Montreal Canadiens, but they finally got to a point where it seemed like everything was nice and chill. And it was just going to be like smooth sailing for the Montreal Canadiens going forward. And then the NHL draft rolls around and there's this kid named Logan Mayu. So Logan Mayu has had a scandal going on in, in a nutshell. There was like a, a, a lewd photo taken during uh, a, a, an act during an act of intimacy. It was a non-consensual photo and it was, it was circulated around his team uh, in like a, you know, like a bragging fashion, like a very bro maneuver. You kind of understand what I'm getting at. And uh, yeah, so and anyway, Logan Mayu asked to not be drafted. He requested to take himself out of the NHL draft. 
And he said that he needs to work on himself and he's going to become a better person and player. And he wanted to enter the draft next year. And it was believed that this happened because Logan Mayu was a first round uh, draft prospect. And then the scandal broke and it was like, oh, he's going to fall down to the fourth or fifth round if he gets picked at all. So he voluntarily took himself out of the draft. Now, Montreal, because Shea Weber just retired, they need right shot defensemen, you see. And this Logan Mayu... Uh, Lord love him, no matter what his scandal might be, or the victim in this uh, case, a young Swedish woman. Uh, no, no thought is paid into them, but he, you know, he's a right shot defenseman, you see, Boris. So the Montreal Canadiens, against this kid's very will, Boris, they yeah. chose him in the first round of the NHL draft. They chose Logan Mayu. So it's been a tough time to be a Habs fan for the last couple of weeks. It's just kind of like, ah, oh, man. Yeah, it's really tough, right? Because, like, you know, the, it, it, I've been seeing a lot of commentary about this in general, and you have your people who say, oh, he admitted his wrong, and he's, you know, he's not at fault. It's Montreal's fault for drafting him, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, he he's young, and young people make mistakes. The unfortunate thing there is really, you know, we, there's been zero mention of the poor poor person who, who had to deal with this, right? The other person in this scandal. Um, so, you know, let's see what happens long term. But, uh, yeah, Montreal's making headlines in the in the, in the the NHL world. Um, you know, Chicago Blackhawks right now are kind of like, oh, well, better than them than us right now. Yeah, man. Yeah, a couple things on that point. I, I'm not saying that we should end a 17-year-old kid's life and career forever because of this mistake. But, uh, yeah, I think, like, atonement needs to happen and... Uh, acknowledgement to to like the the victim of this crime you know what i mean needs to happen and none of that has happened it kind of seems like he was he was rewarded for the very small gesture of saying oh i'll pull myself out of the draft and montreal was like oh look at that was a good move by this kid we're gonna pick him anyway and it's just kind of i hate that i cheer for the team that did that you know what i mean yeah uh secondly I will say objectively and i'm not laughing at anybody except gary bettman it was pretty hilarious seeing Montreal pick this kid at number 31 and then Gary Bettman looking as angry as possibly could be looking at like somebody just ran over his dog having yeah. to introduce Chicago at number 32 and then Chicago pulls a, a pretty gross PR stunt because they have a sexual assault uh, scandal going on right now and Chicago surrounded themselves with women and they tried to put on their best face and it just was like a very scummy 15 minutes for the NHL there yeah exactly Man, and then the Olympics are ongoing. Canada's women's everything seems to be doing really well. Um, I've been having a lot of fun watching some of the, and this is what I love about the Olympics: it's the obscure sports, right? Like three on three basketball, uh, skateboarding. Uh, I fell in <laughs> love with skateboarding. I have a buddy, Same. actually, Kevin. You know, Kevin, the guy who writes our, th or will be writing this theme and themes to other podcasts. Um, he's huge in wrote skateboarding. the uh, theme for NXT Talk. Sorry yep. to interrupt. No, it's all good. And, um, yeah, he. I was out with him, and uh, we were watching the skateboarding, and it was just like, you know, explaining the rules and the way that the league works. And, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, really had a lot of fun Monday night watching the women's softball, the bronze medal game, Mexico versus Canada. That was, that was a hoot to watch. Then I was watching these 10-meter synchronized women's diving. Canada lost out a medal by, like, point. 0.5 of point it's insane uh, 
Dang, that sucks. Yeah, no, I was watching some of that skateboarding too, man. That, that That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, the Olympics are a ton of fun. Absolutely. Even in this weird year where it's been put off and there's no audience, it's still like, you know, the, the pinnacle of human achievement at yeah. the end of the day, Boris. It's still yeah. fun to watch. Yeah, 100%. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like the Euros in that sense where it's like, okay, um, it's been delayed a year. I wasn't sure whether I was going to enjoy it, but now that it's on and I'm actually watching it, you know what? It's a lot better than yeah. I thought it was going to be or remembered it to be or whatever. Like, I'm having a lot of fun watching it. Um, but Yeah, uh, you're 100% yeah. right. I would like I would like to correct you on one thing, Boris. You said 3v3 basketball. They are very careful to tell you. Every fucking time you watch this sport, that it is three x three basketball. Branding is important, you see, buddy. Yes. Anyways, um, the IOC has requested. They actually said the first game that I watched. They actually said the IOC has requested that we say three x three basketball, and sure. they're really they're really pushing the three x three name. It's kind of a WWE universe situation. We all say the fans, but by God, it's the WWE universe, and it's three x three basketball. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, and then obviously every Olympic Games has their controversies, and the American women's gymnastics team right now—I'm um, not—I don't even why I, it's not a controversy. Poor girl, just you know, yeah. someone. Some, kudos to her for having the balls to say, you know what, I'm not myself, and I don't want to let down my team. Yeah, man. If you're like, oh, fuck Simone Biles, like, <laughs> who's that person? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, exactly right. Like, yeah. And also, like, you don't really realize it, but gymnastics is kind of dangerous. Like, more so than not. Like, I just want somebody to be in their in their right frame of mind when they're doing those kind yeah. of things. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it's it's not the kind of thing that you can be going into all willy nilly. Like, it requires precision, Boris. You know? Yeah, to say the least. To say the absolute least, it's it's that's that's yeah. Um, all right, so that's that. Matt, shall we get yeah. into wrestling? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, right. unless you have uh, unless you have any strong anti Simone Biles uh, takes. God no. Um, before we do get into our reviews and analysis of many shows, I want to talk a little bit about independent wrestling. So, um, here in the greater Toronto area, we're starting to see independent wrestling come back. Barry Wrestling actually has a show, um, I want to say this weekend. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So, that's, so that, that's that. Barry Wrestling I think uh, that's really cool. I know Destiny has a show next month. Um, tickets just went on sale earlier this week. And then there's a local Toronto called Junction City Wrestling. They're going to be wrestling out of the Junction Brewery. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We should try to hit up some of these shows. Um, and for any listeners who have any indie wrestling stuff that they want to want us to talk about just send it to us um we'll let you know how you can get a hold of us at the end of the show but uh yeah you always want to highlight some good old indie wrestling where we can yeah that's interesting are those all indoor shows all those all like every single one like the one in the brewery i assume is pretty yeah, indoors that's indoor i think that destiny wrestling is outdoor and berry wrestling i want to say is indoor as well the Destiny show is outdoor? Yeah. Where? Uh, I forget where, but it's outdoor. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I I might go. Let, let's try to look into that Destiny show. Maybe we can go check that out. Yeah. Uh, 
loose tentative plans of checking that one out. But yeah, I'm far more uh, want to go to an outdoor show at this point than an indoor. Same you know, here. I just think I just think still I just let's see. I, I do, let's give it a couple more months. In my opinion, yep. we've come this far. You know. That's that's honestly my mentality. Like at the end of the day, like you know, I'm very careful about who I still hang out with. Um, you know, for example, even at the Jays game, I'm gonna sit in the socially distant seats and stuff like that. Always gonna wear my mask and stuff like that. But you know, we've come yeah. this far. No point in fucking up right now. Yeah, and a big thing too is I only have one of my doses. I'm still scheduled to get one. I just haven't bumped it up yet. I should grab another one while I have time. I should have gotten it while I had my two weeks off there, but oh well. But yeah, I still have an appointment to get my second uh, vaccination, which I will do. But yeah, until that point, I'm not like dying yeah. to go to five shows a week indoors and stuff. You know what I mean? I'm okay with I'm okay with waiting it out in a couple more yep. months. All right, let's get to wrestling. Um, we're going to start with Ring of Honor. So this was from the shows that happened on the 24th, 25th of July. Uh, so it was three matches. Um, so essentially the show kicked off. Uh, we saw the controver- controversial ending to the Quinn McKay-Mandy Leon match. Uh, Mandy Leon was tapping out while the ref was distracted. She used brass knuckles uh, on McKay for the win. Uh, Brian Zane interviewed the allure that's mandy leon and angelina love uh the women continued their harassment of mckay by saying she's had opportunity two opportunities to be exact to wrestle each of them and she blew them both uh quinn mckay is back on hosting duties she welcomed us to the show Uh, she says she is still suffering from the shot to the head uh from the brass knuckles but is even more heartbroken that she won't be able to qualify for the women's championship tournament this summer uh the roh women's championship tournament in fact starts next week on roh tv um and that's um highly highly promoted and i'm actually really looking forward to that um it seems like you know that uh, they're really putting a onus on the women's division for one so that's kind of cool they're treating it like a big deal. They've renamed the title. They're bringing in, uh, like, like we've we like we've said before, they're bringing in uh, the the new Stephanie McMahon, uh, Maria Canales, to do a lot of work here, building it up. And I think she's doing a good job. I'm excited for it too, man. Yep, exactly. All right, so match one was Flip Gordon versus the world famous CB. The world famous CB was formerly known as Cheeseburger. So this is a f- very fun match. Um, Flip Gordon is he's you know. He used to be very high flyer. Now he's kind of leaning towards more of the technical high flying. He's kind of like a Owen Hart like wrestler right yeah. now. Good call. Like a yeah, like a grounded cruiserweight. Yeah, kind yes. of like the Owen Hart style Pokemon. A great call. Yep. Um, so essentially, Flip Gordon won at 10 minutes and 12 seconds via submission. He won with an STF. Really fun match. Um, you know, cheeseburger is cheeseburger. You either love him or you hate him. I love him. He's fun to watch. Um, this was overall an okay match, so I would give this match a three handshakes out of five. Nice. I love Cheeseburger, man. He's great for a live crowd. I've only ever seen Cheeseburger. Actually, that's not fair. I've seen him on TV once or twice. But for the most part, I've seen Cheeseburger live. Great wrestler for the live crowd. Cheeseburger so likable. Takes a great bump. Just a fiery baby face. Love me some Cheeseburger. Yep. What's his, what's his new name? The world, the world famous, famous CB. CB? Yep. Yes, nice. Yep, and he wears like a pimp uh, jacket and a pimp hat. It's awesome. It's better than cheeseburger. I'll yes, take it. Exactly. Um, after the match, the bouncer, so that's the Beer City Bruiser and the Beer City Bruisers and 
brawler Molinas. Uh, they come out, they harass Ian Riccoboni and Caprice Coleman. They essentially put the six-man division and the tag team division on notice. Uh, match number two, Dan Housen was on guest he was the guest commentator, and the match was PCO versus Sledge, which is just a huge, big hoss battle. And it was exactly what you thought it was going to be. At one point, uh, PCO does a cannon, a Quebec cannonball through the ropes onto Sledge on the outside. It was insane. He puts Sledge on the apron, does another cannonball on the freaking apron. They keep oh fighting. They ignore the ref. They push the ref. Double disqualif- disqualification at 10 minutes and 10 seconds. PCO is insane. What is that man made of? It's not like flesh and bone. It's not the same thing that you and I are made of. Yep. It's insane. 50-something yeah. years oh, old and still kicking ass like it's no one's business. He's fighting. I, I honestly think he's fighting better now than he did 30 years ago as one half of the Quebecers. Yes, or as Jean-Pierre Lafitte, the weird yep. uh, pirate the, character. Yeah. Yep. Uh, before we move on too further, and before you put a number of handshakes on this match, how was Danhausen on commentary? Love it, that it, Danhausen. It was funny. He was funny. Anytime Sledge did anything, he would ask Ian and Caprice, is, is, isn't that a DQ? Shouldn't PCO win? Because remember, PCO and Danhausen right now are tag team partners. Yeah, absolutely. Boris, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I might have put in a uh, recently put in a uh, pro wrestling tease order and a Dan Housen shirt might currently be on the way to the house. Nice. Love it. Good call on that one. Um, Love that so yeah. Dan Housen, buddy. Yeah. So after the match, Sledge is interviewed by Brian Zane, who said that he hung with a former world champion. Sledge states if PCO thinks it's over, he has another thing coming. Um, and then the main event was a fantastic match between former uh, trios partners turned enemies, Eli Ism versus Dalton Castle versus Dak Draper. Three of our favorites here, especially Dak and Dalton, just because every time we've seen them, we'd be like, well, Dalton's a longtime staple. And Dak Draper, he, uh, he'll grab your attention when you see him. But you know what? Eli Isom, every time you watch ROH, he's a really impressive wrestler. Eli Isom has a future in this here wrestling business. Yeah, I really want to see a match between Eli Isom and uh, Fred Yehi. Oh, I like it. Yeah, I could see Eli Isom in the pure division, too, mixing it up with Jonathan Gresham. Yep, yep, there was mention of that during the match, uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, so, um, th- the end of the match, Ism did a moonsault to Draper on the outside of the ring. Castle rose like a mechanical doll from behind the barricade, only to throw a chair at the head of Ism. Castle tossed Ism into the ring as Draper pushed Castle to the ground. Castle allowed Draper to get back into the ring as he sits and watches. Ism is still down uh, from the earlier chair throw. In the ring, Draper lifted Ism and delivered a magnum KO as Dalton Castle's boys were on the ring apron imitating Draper's every move. Draper covered Ism for the win. So your winner, Dak Draper, at 7 minutes, 27 seconds via pinfall. So Dalton Castle, after the match, celebrates with the boys as a confused Draper watches on. Castle leaves the ring area as Draper celebrates. After the match, um, Dak Draper high-fives a fallen-ism as the show comes to an end. 
Nice. Well, that's good. Big win for Dak Draper. He's uh, He needs it to be elevated, which he should be. He's a contender for a breakout performer of 2022. We've yep. said it before. We love this Dak Draper, man. He's a star in the making. I'm glad that they're pushing him a little bit. Yep. So I would give this match three and a half handshakes out of five. Nice. Yeah. I'll definitely, uh, I'll, I'll definitely check that out. It's on the, uh, it's on the old uh, PVR, is it yep. not? Yep. It should be. Should be still. Definitely going to watch that and the match that Dan Housen did commentary on. Yep, so you're watching half the show, basically. Yes, yes, basically. I'm watching the second two-thirds of the show, yes. Yep. Yeah, it was a fun show overall. I would give this overall show a three and a half handshakes out of five. And you can read my report every week on slamwrestling.net because I do weekly ROH reports there now. Nice, buddy. Right on. Yeah, Slam Wrestling. Canadian staple Boris Aguilar Canadian staple I love it yep all right the let's, match made up. yep let's move on to GCW homecoming part one from July 24th 2021 oh my. from Atlantic City aired on fight.tv all right so before we get to the show take a step back um what is your exposure to GCW outside of internet um, you know, stories and whatnot. Yes, memery. I've seen various memes, and I watch Bloodsport uh, when I can. Not every Bloodsport show, but I've seen three to four or five-ish Bloodsport shows. I love, uh, I love that presentation. Very straightforward. I, I know what that is. And I kind of thought that GCW would be like a catch-all. It would be like a little Bloodsport style, a little Deathmatch style, a little Cruiserweight style, a little Scientific style. I thought it would be like the PWG-ish kind of promotion. Boris, this is a Deathmatch promotion. This is like all blood and guts, like crazy, crazy Deathmatch spots almost in every match. Yep, yep. It's uh, it's for sure changed a lot. Like, um, you know, it it it's they have a lot of shows. Obviously, there's blood sport. There's Joey Janela's Spring Break. They have backyard wrestling. They have tournaments of survival, and then they have the Nick Gage Invitational. Um, you know, pretty much it's a mix of hardcore. Uh, you got some shoot style hybrids. You have some MMA. So it's a little bit of everything. I would say that Homecoming, especially Night One, was very much into the hardcore ECW ish of style of wrestling. Yeah, so maybe I just picked the one that was like super duper uh, deathmatch heavy. But to this, to me, it was like, okay, very glad I watched this. Very glad I watched the main event. I never want to see another GCW show again. Not because like I think it's terrible or I think like you're a monster if you like it. It is just not near my cup of tea compared to Major League Wrestling, which we're going to talk about at the end of this program which I love for a lot of reasons. This is like a lot of the things that I hate about wrestling. So yes, I'll, okay. So um, I'll tell you something that really bothered me throughout the show. And it's something that reminded me why I hate oftentimes watching shows on fight. When your commentators swear, there's something about your commentator swearing that really grinds my gears. Huh? That doesn't even bug me so much. Although I do, I do feel like there's an overall point that in this specific show that they swore too much. Uh, that could be that could be uh, argued. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think there was a little. 
it was a little like, yeah, it was a little aggressive, but that was, yeah, that's kind of the, the vibe that they're going for. I don't, I, that, that's not, yeah, I, I, a hundred percent feel you on that one, man. I get it. It's a little bit of a crutch too, but yeah, you know what? That doesn't bug me so much. What bugs me is the, the disgusting violence and every match trying to out violent the next and, and everything being so disgusting over the top violent. Yep. And it's funny because, like, the first match, you kind of didn't realize it because the first match of the night was Marco Stunt versus Starboy Charlie. Marco Stunt with a huge pop to kick off the show. Like, huge pop. Um, and it was a lot of fun. And, you know, yeah. I got to say, I actually forget uh, because I have watched Marco Stunt wrestle in the past. Um, and you kind of forget that he can wrestle. It's it's funny how AEW uses him. Yeah. He, they they almost underutilize him, which I, I'm sure some people would say is crazy. But I feel like they underutilize Marco Stunt. He is a very talented uh, kid, and despite his size, man, he is a good wrestler. And like you tell me, when that Pat Benatar song started and and Marco Stunt came out, tell me that crowd didn't go ape shit for of him. Course. You know what I mean? Like he's of a star. Yeah. At least on the indie scene, he is a star in wrestling right now. Yeah, it's so good. It was. It's a, what did you think of this match overall? And Starboy Charlie, Starboy he's Charlie. also, he looks so young. He looks like a child. Oh, yeah. Yeah, What not he 17 or 18 years old? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, he's a very, very young kid, but he's a good wrestler, man. He's got a bright future in this business. Unfortunately, he's not much bigger than Marco, but he is bigger than Marco. Again, Marco's like the smallest guy I've ever seen in, in wrestling. But, uh, yeah, this was a fun match. It went a little long, but it's it, it's an indie and and at this moment, I thought we were watching PWG. So I was yeah. expecting every match to be a WrestleMania main event. You know what I yeah. mean? So on on these shows, it works until it burns you out. And yeah. the first match of the show on an indie show is in a great position. It, it could really impress. And I think this one did really impress. I think this was an above average match and both guys looked really good. Yep. So... Uh, stunt hits a second slice bread. Charlie kicked out at the last second, and the fans gasp, like audibly gasp, uh, gasped. Charlie fired back with a flurry of offense, capped by a big falcon arrow for a near fall. Stunt ended up countering Charlie and got a pinning combination for the win at 15 minutes on the dot. Nice. Uh, yeah, great. Uh, no, I wouldn't say great. Very good match. Uh, uh, Starboy Charlie, I don't know where his future is in wrestling, but he definitely has a future in this business. Good-looking kid, great wrestler. He's uh, he's a star in the making. You know who he reminds me of? Who's that? TJP. Huh. I think, yeah, I can see it a little bit. I think he's better than TJP. I at think least so, too. Like, I think he, uh, yeah, because I, I think there's maybe... A, uh, I, like a ceiling to his career that TJP, like, you know what I mean? Like couldn't reach. I think he can get to a level or two perhaps above TJP just in terms of like his physical charisma and his moveset. And the fact that he's so young, like, I don't know. I feel like TJP kind of had kind there's something about that guy that he's kind of just like kind of, I don't know. He doesn't scream main eventer. I, there's something about TJP that just kind of put him on a level. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong about this. Yeah. All right, so um, how would you rate this match, Matt? I don't know. We're going to go three out of five. We're going to go uh, yeah. 
We're going to go with three star boys out of five for this one. It's a 60% star boy percentage. It went a little long, but you know what? It was, it was an above average match. They worked really hard. The crowd was absolutely with it for the entirety of it. Every second. So yep. yeah, good match. Yeah, and then after the match, chants were welcome or chanting "Welcome home" to stunt going nuts. Um, so the second match, Tony Deppen was out, and they were the fans were all singing along to "We Built This City." Ninja Mac was out uh, to big ninja chants. So match number two was Tony Deppen versus Ninja Mac. How has nobody done "We Built This City"? I'm sure it's been done before as a theme song, but like no brainer. Man, the crowd loves this. Tony Deppen, great choice, buddy. We built this city on rock and roll. The crowd's singing the whole time. You like were you were like, oh man, this guy's a star. Regardless of who it was who came out to this song, you were gonna think, man, this guy's a star. So great choice, Tony Deppen. Yep. Um, and th- overall, this match was okay. I would have to say that Ninja Mac was a little off in this match. Tony Deppen really carried this match overall. But overall, it was a pretty good match. It was only 11 minutes and 30 seconds. Um, Mac went up to the top, went for a Phoenix 630, but Deppen got out of the way. He then hit a big Shining Wizard for the win. Yeah, Mac just doing a ton of flips, just like you look, like a young Simone Biles in there. Uh, you gotta like, man, you gotta like make a call on this kind of match. Like, I don't think you could say this was an average wrestling match. It was pretty unique and pretty, like pretty flippy. Like it was far flippier than the average match. This was very a PWG match. Very much. I think you either have to say like it worked for you and like between the crowd and Tony Deppin's awesome performance, trying to ground this insane super ball, or it was bad and Ninja Mac was flipping around like an idiot. So personally, I'm going to go on the side. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to say it did work for me. I did love the crowd. I did love Tony Deppin. But I don't know, man. If you want to tell me this was a terrible match, I'd believe you too. But I'm going to go three starships out of five for a 60% built this city on rock and roll percentage on this one, buddy. Yep. Then we saw Nolan Edward versus A.J. Gray. Yeah, pretty standard, straightforward indie match. Like, this was your pretty typical, uh, basic Mendoza line kind of match. Nothing wrong with it, but at this moment, I don't really remember a single second of it. Right, so Gray hit a second lariat. Edward kicked out at two. Gray then hit a modified pod driver for the win at eight minutes. It was a very, very... Typical wrestling match. Nothing crazy. There was like missed 450s, insiguries, a few flips, but it was a very typical independent wrestling match. Yeah, if it, if it happened in 1971, it might have blown everyone's mind. But I, at this point in the wrestling business, I think it was probably Mendoza line kind of match. We're going to give a two and a half. Uh, Nolan Edwards is out of five. Two and a half Emerald Flosions out of five. For a 50% flosion percentage on the Mendoza line, buddy. Yep. Then a match that, <laughs> with one of the competitors, <laughs> I didn't think was still even wrestling. And that person is too cold, Scorpio. And he faced the Grim Reefer. So if you wanted to, actually, I, I'll tell you, this was the best match on the show so far. Easily. <laughs> too cold, Scorpio. He's impressive. Man, Flash Funk. 
could be on Raw tomorrow getting them checks. I swear to God, he looks he looks great. I mean, maybe not uh, facially, but, uh, but, but Tuchel Scorpio is still an athlete, buddy. Yeah, that finisher, right? Like, I still can't believe he pulled it off. Uh, so Moonsault, the- leg drop. Yep, so the end of the match saw Reefer, uh, he sent Scorpio to the floor, he went to the top, hit a springboard dive to the floor, and the fans were all going crazy. Reefer hit a springboard swanton bomb back inside the ring a short time later for a two count. Scorpio fired back up, hit a Pele kick, the fans chanted GC dubs, Scorpio went to the top, hit his moonsault leg drop for the win at 10 minutes. The tumbleweed leg drop. Yeah, man. Uh, This was a total comedy match based around, like, weed, based around basically, like, passing a joint and stealing a joint from each other. And uh, it's the kind of thing that either works for you or doesn't. Again, like, this is not an average wrestling match. It's either, if you want to say it's terrible, that's fine. This worked for me. I thought this was, was, uh, like, pretty cheesy, fun pro wrestling Hey, this was like uh, I don't know a Cheech and Chong sketch of pro meets a pro wrestling match. This was uh, this, it was what it was, but you know what? I couldn't go any lower than three puffs out of five. It's a sixty percent grim reefer percentage, buddy. Love it. All right, so that was essentially the end of wrestling and actual <laughs> wrestling of the night because this is when the insanity and even then, started. You- Yes, and even then, we just reviewed a match where they were passing a joint around. Like yes. We're using the term wrestling pretty loosely so far. It was PWG, Pro Wrestling Gorilla, up until this point. Yeah. You know, After this point, it was CZW. Yeah, and I was not prepared for the switch. I was not ready for this shift, personally. Yep. So the fifth match of the night was Alex Cologne versus Drew Parker, title versus title match, GCW Ultraviolent Championship, and the BJW Deathmatch Championship. Matt, what Drew do we Parker, have to say about this match? Drew Parker is a 23-year-old kid. He, buddy, like you, just, yeah, too young for this business. I'm getting too young for this shit. Like, no, man, don't, like, I don't know, like, I'm scared. I'm scared someone's gonna kill themselves in one of these GCW matches. Like they, they, they go, like out of their way, man. These are these are some of the most violent death matches that I've ever seen. I'm not much of a death match guy. I've seen I've seen most, if not all, of the big Cactus Jack ones. I've seen like Terry Funk in Japan. I've but like I'm not up on like modern death match shit. I don't watch like Big Japan. You know. This is fucking crazy. Some of the spots that in, in uh, on the second half of the show are like the most violent that I've seen in wrestling. Like, yep, darts. Drew Parker throwing darts into his opponent's back. Yeah, fuck. That's yep. fucking disgusting, man. Yep. So Cologne grabbed a big piece of glass covered in barbed wire and dragged it into the ring. He then set it up over a couple of chairs. They battled up top again, but Parker slid under Cologne. Parker tucked Cologne's head and nailed it with a kick. He then suplexed him through the glass, covered in barbed wire. Cologne kicked out at the last second. Parker set up a pile of over tubes over Cologne and hit a swanton, but Cologne kicked up again. Parker grabbed a modified STF, and the ref called for the bell. Yep, so Drew Parker wins. Uh, uh, apparently around 18 minutes, 45 seconds, Drew Parker, 
uh, retains his BJW deathmatch title and becomes the uh, GCW deathmatch champion because they have a world champion who just also fights in deathmatches. But yep. they have an ultra-violent champion as well. Yep. And now that is uh, Drew Parker. So, yeah, this was like, hmm. So, so this is the thing about this match. It's like the ultimate diminishing returns because I was expecting the only death match on this show to be Nick Gage versus Cardona. But we got at least, at least three. Yeah. And you can like, depending on how you slice that, right? Uh, if you'll pardon the pun. So you could also argue that throwing two death matches on the show where you have Matt Cardona, you could argue that that helps because... When Matt Cardona did make his entrance, after seeing all the violence on this show, it added to the big fight feel. It added to that feeling of, man, like, after seeing all that, what the fuck is Nick Gage going to do to this yeah. guy? You right. know what I mean? It really was like, oh. So I do see the logic in maybe sometimes doing two cell matches or two Royal Rumbles or two, you know what I mean? Sometimes, not every time. But when you hit three or four, man, that's just way too much. That's just way too goddamn much. So this is, I'm going an awful long way to say, like, I don't know. At this moment, this death match, it still kind of worked. I don't know how the fuck to rate something like this, but I wouldn't call it a bad match. It was intriguing. I couldn't, like, turn away. It was like a Saw movie. I would, I would probably put it at, like, three and a half stars, and I never, ever want to see anything like it ever again. Yep. All right, the next match was a scramble match, which saw Jordan Oliver uh, versus Braden Lee versus Dante Leon versus Jack Cartwheel versus Shane Mercer versus Atticus Kogar. Jack Cartwheel. Jack <laughs> That's all. Cartwheel. I, just wanted, I just wanted to put a point on that. This man's name is Jack Cartwheel. All right, yep. please continue. Yep. Um, so the end of the match, Lee and Cartwheel traded blows. Lee ended up hitting a sit-out powerbomb for a near fall. Cartwheel rolled to the floor. Oliver hit a cutter on Lee and then a clout cutter. Kogar nailed him with a low blow, flipped him off as he stole the cover on Lee for the win. So your winner was Atticus Kogar at 11 minutes. Yeah, sure. Okay. I heard a lot of like hype about like, oh, GCW, they have these awesome scramble matches. It's just like crazy. The craziest spots, crazy spot fest. This was like pedestrian. This wasn't very good at all. Wasn't very shocking. Wasn't very entertaining. I don't know. Uh, kudos to all six guys who worked in it. Like it didn't, didn't really land for me, buddy. I think this was, you know, this was kind of a fail, in my opinion. Yep. Worst match on the show, for sure. So rating wise? Uh, rating wise, I'd probably give it. Let's gonna we're we're gonna go two scrambles out of five. It's a forty percent scrambled egg percentage. It's a slight fail. Good effort from the boys. You know what I mean. I'm not gonna say it was an affront to professional wrestling, but it was a bad wrestling match. Yep. The next match was for the GCW Tag Team Championship as Jimmy Lloyd and G Raver or Graver went up against <laughs> SGC Mance Warner and Matthew. Justice. Can we talk about the finer points of the tongue stapling spot in this match? Uh, yes. Do you think that was real? <laughs> what <laughs> What the fuck was that? Dude, I don't know. I really don't know. I really don't know. So, at, at a point, uh, there's a wooden door in the ring. So, 
I I believe it's Mance Warner, right? Mance Warner gets like his face put on the door and then the heels stretch out his tongue. And apparently the heels staple Mance Warner's tongue to a wooden door. And then Mance Warner is trying to pick his tongue up. Like he's trying to pick the door up to, to like, I don't know what he's trying to do. But then his tag team partner gets tip tossed into the door that has his tongue stapled to it. And apparently Mance Warner's tongue gets ripped off, ripped out of his skull forever. So there's a lot of blood where this spot supposedly happened. So my first instinct is to be like, well, obviously he's got a blood packet in his mouth and he just sat there with like, you know what I mean? It was just very obvious fake spot, but these are crazy human beings, Boris. Is there a chance that he stapled his tongue to a to a wooden door for real? You know, typically I would say no, but with these people, you just never know, to be honest. And, and, and the way that the blood came out, it looked very realistic. Yeah. Now again, I'm not. I, this is not something I've experienced before. Or have any ju- like judgment on? Like I can't tell you really what's realistic. I'm not a fucking forensics officer here, buddy. You know what I mean? But like, there's a certain like Saw movie like fascination to this. But this ah, like I did. I was just so done with professional wrestling when I saw this tongue spot. I was like. That's why I didn't watch NXT UK last night because yeah. I was like, I can't fucking, I can't I'm done with wrestling. Like I, I literally, as soon as this match ended, I closed my laptop and I was like, I fuck, I need a break, man. Like yep. I can't do this. Like, it was just, I was just like so turned off. This is just not my cup of tea at all. I don't yep. even really love horror movies. You know what I mean? I don't watch like the, the torture porn, like hostile, like saw. I can't do that kind of stuff, man. This is not for me. If this is for you, great. But poof. I am yeah. fascinated, though. Do you think that was real? <laughs> Dude, like I said, I don't know. I really don't know. With these, like I said, typically I would say no, but with these people, you just never know. These people love yeah. the art that is hardcore wrestling. Yeah, the art, quote-unquote. Yeah, the uh, art. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, this, so this was this was a, a, a bad wrestling match. I think, that, again, there is an art there is an art to deathmatch wrestling. To me, this was gross for the sake of gross. And Absolutely. on a match with on a show with so many death matches, it didn't need to happen. Yep. So Justice came off the top with a big splash for the win. So Mance Warner and Matthew Justice won in 13 minutes to become the new GCW Tag Team Champions. Yeah, we're gonna go uh, one tongue out of five for this one. This was just this turned me off of the show and professional wrestling as you know, a whole. And also, if I didn't though, host a podcast, go ahead. <laughs> Also, I was going to say, if I didn't know it was a podcast, I probably wouldn't have watched wrestling for the next, like, 10 to 15 days. I would have been out for a little bit. Like, it's yeah. just too much. Yeah. No, what I was going to say was uh, at the crowd seemed out of it at this point, too, right? Like, I think it was, like, too much, too many death matches back-to-back at this point. Yeah, I think it burnt the crowd out, too. I'm dead, dead. That really burnt me out, but I could, you could see it for sure. And I think that's part of the reason why they went to the next match that they did because yes. they knew they kind of needed a complete and total palate the cleanser. The thing is, the palate cleanser was only six minutes long, um, so the match yeah. was Effie with Ali Catch versus Frontman Ja. Yeah. So this was like uh, Exotico versus Exotico, if uh, my my read on this is correct. It's uh, there's a there was a lot of dick based offense in this match, Boris. Yeah, it's like uh, Nakamura of circa 2017 or something. 
<laughs> if you say so, I don't remember that. But um, anyways, Effie hit a big suplex. He followed it up with a choke slam for a near fall. Effie hit under the rainbow for a near fall. Effie then locked in a guillotine for the submission win at six minutes. Yeah. Uh, again, not my cup of tea, but honestly, I would have rather have seen this than another death match. So we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go two Effies out of five for a. Uh, a 40% big gig brunch percentage on this one. Not my cup of tea, but very good effort. And it was exactly what this show needed. And in, yep. that, in that, it was a palate cleanser. Yep. All right. Then it's time for the main event. Match number nine of the night for the GCW Championship. As your champion, Nick Gage, went up against Matt Cardona, formerly known as Zack Ryder. Matt, uh, yeah, Matt Cardona's entrance, amazing, reminiscent, honestly, like a poor man's John Cena, uh, ECW one night stand entrance. Yes. Yes. Uh, Nick Gage's entrance, absolutely incredible, honestly, like a rich man's or at least a well off man's Sandman ECW one night stand entrance. Just the the amount of love and just that mosh pat mosh pit feeling, just the insanity that that is on display from the crowd. Um, yeah, this was this was a unique presentation in professional wrestling. There are many matches like this, buddy. And I even love how they played off against the possibility of Jericho appearing as someone with his yeah. music, um, wearing a cloak, uh, came out, uh, you know, obviously teasing the AEW match and the announcement and stuff. But, it, you know... And that's what I do appreciate about independent wrestling. It's kind of like, you know, it's, it's, it's they everything is on the table, right? Um, but yeah, the, the crowd was so into this match. And by into this matches, they loathed everything Cardona did. I love that the, the announcers too were kind of like absolute pieces of shit, not really paying any, uh, you know, regard to Matt Cardona or his skills, but like begrudgingly, like as he survived, we're kind of like, well, you know, he's, he's hanging in there. Well, he's pretty tough. Well, he did hit that flip. Well, he did look pretty good doing this. Like, I, yeah. I thought the announcers did a great job. Like clearly the home team against this, like visiting this away player. I thought it was a, a great job by them too. And I think you, 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 you had the best comparison of this being like, one night stand 2006 when uh john cena faced rvd like it really felt like that like it was it was crazy um and and yeah it was just it was as a match i think it was laid out well um in the sense that i think you were faced with every emotion possible watching this as a death match i think i don't know i think it was good people were bleeding that's that's the point, right? Yeah, like exactly right. So it's I feel like part of like the death match thing is like what has what is in this death match that you haven't seen before? You know what I mean? And there wasn't like such a shocking degree of violence in this death match. But the thing you haven't seen before, Boris, is a death match where the guy getting carved up is the star of 2010 WWF superstars. You know yeah. what I mean? The star of Long Island Iced Z. That's the hook, obviously. But boy, it made for a really unique, exciting, crazy visual, man. This was an awesome wrestling match. It really was. For everything we love about wrestling, the drama, 
the announcing, the crowd, the presentation, the storytelling that we're getting. This was really, really good. It actually really was. Yep. Um, Cardona hit Gage with another set of tubes. Cardona hit the Rough Rider, and it was good for the win. The fans immediately started tossing bottles into the ring as Cardona held up the title. So your winner at 24 minutes and 30 seconds to become the new GCW champion, Matt Cardona. 24 minutes, man. Okay, so there are net there are nitpicks. Um, I thought the uh 440 is that what they are? The the, yep. the group that ran in yep. that was yeah, four four that was four, a weird four o h. Sorry, okay, four four o h exclamation point. No, anyway, uh, that was a weird run in, it wasn't explained enough to the lay person. It was sloppy, it took too long. That took me out of the match a little bit. Um, but that's basically, like, honestly, my main complaint. Other than that, I think pretty much this was exactly what it needed to be. Cardona, like, crying in the ring, like, not, like, believing what he got himself into and then actually winning in the end due to, like, shenanigans. This is, like, great for his career. This was great for uh, GCW. If they actually want to pivot away from some of the deathmatch stuff, if they actually want to become more of the PWG and less of this deathmatch promotion, this would be a really great start to their pivot. But yeah, this was uh, this was pretty good, man. Pretty pretty good. I wouldn't call it great, but very good. You know what? And and kudos to Matt Cardona um, for for keeping up with Gage in this deathmatch. Uh, he 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 did everything. You know, for, he took the bumps. He did the 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 tubes. He. He, he sliced and diced himself, you know, got to give credit to Cardona where credit is due. Yeah, there's a distinction like I not that Chris Jericho didn't give his all in his match versus Nick Gage. But like, OK, so I one slight difference between the two, if I might point them out, is Chris Jericho when Nick Gage put the pane of glass on the chairs. Chris Jericho did a uh, Frankensteiner. And he didn't go into the glass with Nick Gage. Nick Gage went into the glass alone. Yeah. Zack Ryder, Matt Cardona, he did a superplex into the glass. And Cardona went into the glass with Nick Gage. And that's just not that, not that like, oh, Chris Jericho's a pussy. That's not, that's not at all what I'm trying to say. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is Matt Cardona had something to prove. And he wanted to prove it. He set out to change your perspective on his career, and he succeeded in my eyes, man. He proved it. He set out to do a thing, and he achieved it. So all credit to Matt Cardona. Yep, exactly. Um, how, anything else that you want to uh, talk about before we move on about this match? Uh, show? No. Yeah, no. I, I think uh, I wish they would have done more with the, the – uh, action figures they kind of teased using them but didn't actually use the action figures i think this match was that that was a Chekhov's gun that was never actually fired which sucked and uh yeah i think the four the four four oh thing was was like too long and disjointed but those are the only things that kept this from being honestly a great professional wrestling match yep all right so how would you rate this match we're going to go three and three quarter pizza cutters out of five. It's a B plus could have been great. Wasn't quite there, but still in, in like incredible for performance for Matt Cardona. Very, very good wrestling match. Three and three quarters, 75% pizza cutter percentage. Yep. All right. Um, so that is GCW homecoming night one. I want to talk about night two 
two matches that I want to bring up about night two. The first match was Cesar Bononi, Bononi versus Chris Dickinson. Nice. I like Chris Dickinson's work. I like the very few matches I've seen out of Cesar Bononi. I was not watching night two after that night one. I was yeah. just exhausted. How was yeah. this match? It was pretty good. It was only 10 minutes. Dickinson won by submission, but it was a pretty good match. Um, I'm I'm not a, the biggest Bononi fan, but he held his own. Um, and I think that uh, we're starting to already see some improvement with him. That's what I wanted to highlight. But the match of the night. And the match of both shows for me was Starboy Charlie versus Jonathan Gresham. Oh wow! What a what a pairing there. Yep, it was awesome. Gresham won 14 minutes 50 seconds with a submission. Uh, yeah, dude, it's 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 just it's yeah. This match is so good. Oh, this is my match of the weekend. Amazing, man. I'm definitely, I didn't realize that happened. I'm definitely going to go out of my way to find that match because Jonathan Gresham so rarely could play the big bully heel, but he's probably the big guy in this match. Yep. For once in his life. Yep. Yep. Um, it was such a good match. So that was GCW Homecoming Night 2. Those are the two matches that I personally would recommend. Um, so something that I want to talk about before we move into MLW Battle Riot, and that was New Japan's Wrestle Grand Slam at Tokyo Dome from July 25th. Yes. And I want to talk specifically about the main event. The main event was awesome. The main event is going to appear on our top 100 list. At least it would appear on mine. And the main event was for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship as your champion. Shingo Takaki went up against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah, we already have a Shingo versus Tanahashi on the official, the official BAM Sports and Entertainment list, which is my personal list. But uh, yeah, we we like they have incredible chemistry. Shingo, great wrestler. Tanahashi, great wrestler. The John Cena of Japan right now, if you will, and uh, he's coming over to wrestle John Moxley pretty soon. It looks like too. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. But it was such a, it was a freaking great match. Obviously, Shingo won at the af after the match. Evil came out and he's up next. But it was a great match. It was so much fun. Shingo is so freaking good, and Tenahashi is Tenahashi. It's a match that I wanted to call out. If there's any match on the card that you should watch, it's the main event. It possibly went a little long. But, you know, that's NJPW. I've been having this love-hate relationship with NJPW lately. Um, you know, the, the undercard is just absolutely useless, more so than normal. Yep. And the main events can sometimes go about 10 minutes too long. Pretty long in the tooth, yeah. I 100% I agree with everything you said. But you can't hate on the actual effort that they put in. You can't hate on the actual ring work. Like, these matches are crazy. I do want to go on to MLW. But before we do, what do you think about Evil? I definitely remember seeing him in Toronto wrestling for Smash Wrestling. Yeah. Like, on his yep. excursion before he was before he was frig all of anything. How do you feel yep. about Evil as a performer? I think he's okay. He's nothing special to me. Um, I think him and Sonata are better together, but um, you know they NJPW has really been trying to push him as a singles wrestler, as a as a legit contender for the heavyweight championship for a few years now, about two years now. Um, and sure, why not? But I don't think he's ever really going to win it. Um, I don't like again. I don't think he should win it. Um, but yeah. Uh, he's okay for what he is. You know, it's his size that really gives him the advantage. 
Yeah, big time. He stands out in that regard. I like his crazy, like, chair-swinging character. But I think, yeah, I think he's a pretty solid mid-carder. He reminds me a lot of Goto, not just in his, like, appearance, but in his style and where he should be on the card. You know what I mean? I find it shocking that they pushed him so strongly, but maybe it's going to be the kind of thing where he's the new Hiroki Goto for the next 15 years in this company, 10 to 15 years. Yep. All right. Let us move on to MLW Battle Riot 3. So this show was actually recorded a few weeks ago. So officially it was taped on July 10th in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the 2300 Arena. But it was airing first to air July 24th, 2021 on BN Sports. And it's now streaming via MLW's YouTube page. And it's still up there. So I highly, highly Highly suggest that you go out and watch this show. As Matt mentioned at the top of the show, it's only 90 minutes, and it's 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 a fun freaking watch because it kind of really does give you. It's a good jumping on point for MLW. Now, MLW, um, something that we should call out about MLW is that it's season based. Uh, so right now they're in the off season. They are going to be doing a special uh, next month. Um, so that will be very interesting and matt i gotta ask you what's your exposure to mlw before this so yeah i i've seen uh very few matches here and there and i'm always very impressed with the production with the announcing i really like the sports feel you know what it feels like you're in good hands with mlw it feels like they take care it feels like they're trying to do good wrestling and you know what I mean? There's a there's an overall plan and a vision at all times. And yep. basically, that's all I want, even if I don't necessarily agree with it. But I, yeah, I, I really respect the effort they put in. And they're always doing cool things like, hey, like Dario Cueto, they're bringing him in to do promos because guess what? He's one of the best promo guys in wrestling and he wasn't doing anything. So might as well. <laughs> Yep. All right. So let's get to the show. The show opened with a video package that listed the rules for Battle Riot with the new entrance every 60 seconds. Eliminations occurring via pinfall, submission, or by going over the top rope onto the floor. The winner gets an MLW heavyweight championship shot anytime, anywhere. A video listed some of the Battle Riot entrants. The broadcast team was Rich Bokini and Saint Laurent. Now, um... Yeah, so Battle Riot is very similar to WWE's Royal Rumble in the sense that there are always surprises. Um, so I wanted to point that out. So the show kicked off with Cesar Duran, formerly known as Dario Cueto. He made his entrance while a very loud lucha chant broke up, broke out. Uh, Duran entered the ring with a microphone and said he's been told that the venue is historic and the people of Philadelphia understand lucha libre. The lucha chant grew even louder at this point, as Duran said. He's been told that the city could be a good place to build a lucha temple. Um, he says, but I think all that is caca de la vaca, Duran said, or horseshit. Um, it's actually cow shit. Um, he told the crowd that they are a bunch of imposters because he couldn't hear them. Duran riled up the crowd and he welcomed back his believers. He said his reputation for super lucha and violence is second to none. I've promoted the best lucha in the century. Duran said his country, his country, Azteca Underground, will promote fights for MLW. He said he made a deal with Court Bauer to become the matchmaker in MLW. This is when he asked his 
Believers, what do you want? And at this point, another Lucha Chuk. Lucha chant broke out. Duran said he had an idea, but he was interrupted. Injustice. The duo of Myron Reed and Jordan Oliver made their entrance to a very, very good reaction. Um, the broadcast team was wondering what they were up to. Um, if I may uh, quickly yes. interject here, a couple of things that I want to point out. Uh, amazing theme choice. They, yes. They're going with the Guilty Conscience by Eminem and Dr. Dre. Uh, instrumental version, uh, perhaps, fortunately, uh, they're, they're, you know what I mean? But I thought that was a great, great theme choice. I'm surprised more wrestlers haven't used that one as well. Uh, is, secondly, yeah, 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 yeah. It's so good, so good. Secondly, oh man, I, I, uh, what's his name? Duran Cesar Duran's reaction to these guys getting in the ring was just classic. He's so good. He reminds me of uh, a little bit of Eric Bischoff, maybe even better as a performer than Eric Bischoff, but he's got that, like that boss, that sleazy kind of in control, but like that, that like whole, he's got like a Pierce Brosnan kind of thing about him, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. Like John Hamm. Yes. Um, he reminds me a lot. He reminds me a lot of an older and more sophisticated Alex Abrahantis. Yeah, I can see that. Definitely more sophisticated. Sophisticated <laughs> is the word. Like he's he's a sophisticated classy. heel. He's classy. Classy heel. Classy heel. We don't see it very often. Vince McMahon had a little bit of the classy heel, but he was also like a big shit show who uh, urinated himself on live on Monday Night Raw. Like this guy is classy heel, and I love it. I'm here for it. Yep. So as injustice is in the ring, Duran said, it better be good because no one interrupts him without consequences. Who the fuck are you? Duran asked. Reed introduced himself <laughs> and Oliver and said they want a shot at the MLW tag titles. We want Los Parks. And I know you can make that happen, Reed said. And this is when a video aired for Latin American Exchange, LAX for short. Conan headed to the ring with Slice Boogie Rivera. Danny Limelight and Dr. Julius Smokes. Conan played to the crowd and then approached Duran. Conan introduced the mic to Smokes, who said some people don't believe in shit until they step in it. Smokes said LAX is flushing the toilet on injustice. Uh, so yeah, worth noting, again, like you pointed out, Rivera is uh, Danny Limelight, who is a big star, uh, ex of AEW Dark and AEW Dark Elevation. He was getting a lot of lot of love there, and then MLW scooped him up. Well, it's funny, because Rivera goes on the mic, and the first thing he says, you know who I am, but you cannot call me Rivera anymore. Uh, Conan introduced Boogie, who played to the crowd. Conan called for a match against Los Parks for the tag titles. Duran said he's always open to business, but he doesn't have time to make a date with dinosaurs. Oliver took issue Ooh. with Conan. I know. The reaction was great. Um, Oliver took issue with Conan bringing in his team. He said Conan isn't a shot caller. He's a clown. Injustice fought the new LAX duel to Boogie and Rivera, LAX duo put Oliver down. Boogie performed an inverted brain buster on Oliver. Then LAX performed an assisted double stomp onto him. LAX worked over Oliver at ringside until Reed performed a flip dive onto them. 
So the only thing that sucked about this promo is I felt like it kind of made Injustice look pretty bad because yeah. they were the weakest speakers by far in this promo. Like you had Conan coming out here with a fired up Danny Limelight who's just got like the shackles off. Julius Smokes, who's been a great promo since the ROH days. And Slice Boogie, who said like three words. You know what I mean? And also like, so they had all these talented speakers and Myron Reed and Jordan Oliver had to do a lot of heavy lifting. And uh, they were just, it's not like they were bad, but they were clearly the inferior speakers here. You know, they were clearly like, they need the most work. Yep. Um, so backstage, Alicia attached that she was in front of the tumbler, um, which use, is being used to draw the numbers for the competitors. EJ and Duca joined her. He drew his number. He seemed pleased. But the interview was actually interrupted by a Contra unit video. Joseph Samuel stood with other members of the group. He said fans have tuned in for a new era of MLW, but he asked if the fans were prepared to see their heroes enter a new season of terror. Mads Kruger spoke briefly, and then they cut to Jacob Fatu yelling, Hail Contra. Yeah, Jacob Fatu. Interesting. I need to watch more MLW, and I, I'm excited to sink my teeth into the upcoming season. But yeah, I wish we could have gotten a little more Jacob Fatu on this show just because, I don't know, I guess you, you need one. You, they're just doing the battle riot. But I would have liked to have seen a little more of the actual champion, you As know, like the, the ultimate goal. The fact that this is, and they know that it's a jumping on point for new fans, they really mm. should have introduced Jacob Fatu as the yes. man. He should have just like yes. done something to really just make him look like the champion of MLW. Just a video package, anything. Yep. That would have been nice. Yeah. Small yep. nitpick, but I 100% agree with you, buddy, for sure. Yep. All right. So um, they, uh, the broadcast team introduces uh, the miniseries called MLW Fusion Alpha. Uh, we get a video package that aired a trailer I should say, and it's starting in August. Back to Alicia Atout, Tom Lawler, and Kevin Koo. They're at the Battle Riot Hopper. Contra logo flashed. Lawler spoke about how pulling a number takes the perfect technique. He also boasted about winning the first Battle Riot. Koo drew his number, and they were pleased. Lawler drew his number and said it wasn't bad for a practice run. Atout told him that that was his number, and Duca showed up and said... The judge was in the building. Lawler asked what he was the judge of and said his own name has law in it. Yeah, yeah filthy Tom, you know, if you if you're uh, if you're a wrestling observer subscriber, you've probably heard a couple filthy Tom promos here and there just on the website. But uh, yeah, filthy Tom is great. Big fan. This was fun. Uh, I wonder I wonder what his future is in pro wrestling, because there's not like he doesn't. He's great in MLW. He doesn't scream WWE to me. He doesn't even scream AEW to me. I think he'd be great in New Japan if he actually went to Japan and started, like, if he was in the G1, for example. That'd be yep. awesome. Yep. Well, you know, he's on strong from time to time, but I would love to see him on, like, the yeah. main show. Well, he's, like, the strong openweight champion, right? Is he yep. not? Like, he's basically he the champion of strong. Yeah. Yep, and he's fighting this Friday. There you go. Yeah. So I, I just I, I wonder and I kind of hope that his future is in New Japan. I wonder if and hope that it is because I think that's where he's best suited. This this guy. Yep. All right. It is time for the 40 man MLW Battle Riot numbered the third. Uh, the first entrant was Davey Richards. This is someone who I haven't seen in years. 
Yeah, Davey Richards. Yeah, man. What has he? Is this his first wrestling match in a long time? Like, what's he been up to? I, I think I know I he quit the like business went, for a little bit. I feel like he went to work a real a, a real job, uh, like a, a regular person's job for a while. Yes, I believe he was a paramedic. If yeah. I'm not mistaken, that's what that's yeah. that's what I want to say, but I wasn't sure. So let's go with that yeah. story. Um, but yeah. But Davey Richards, he's back at least for Battle Riot. He was a surprise entrant. Uh, the second entrant was actually Tom Lawler. Um, the third entrant was TJP. Yeah, well, I guess we can. I have the list here too. We can kind of go through it a little bit. So, yep. so a, a big a, a big thing with this match is we didn't see any eliminations until about the, was it the 18 18. or 19 mark? It was after the 18th, so on the 19th. There you go. Okay, so quickly, number three, TJP. Uh, you, you know him, you love him. Number four, Lee Moriarty, who, who's also appeared in, like, uh, AW Dark and stuff a bunch. Num- uh, number five was Kit Osborne, uh, who's doing a Lance Von Erich uh, gimmick. He's kind of trying to weasel his way into the Von Erich clan Calling himself with Marshall Rip and Ross. Von Erich. Yeah, that's pretty pretty hilarious. Uh, number six, King Mo Lowell. Who uh, he did not look great in this match. Very sloppy wrestler. Very like yeah yeah, very kind of dangerous looking. Uh, okay, number seven, Calvin Tankman. What did you think about this guy? I've not seen Calvin Tankman before in my life. Um, I thought he was okay at best. He's a huge, huge, three hundred pound guy. Big, big man. Uh, number eight, Aries. I have okay. Uh, hold on. Having said that. I do want to watch a Tank Man versus EJ and Duca match. Oh, man. That's got to happen for sure, for sure. Okay, so yeah, number eight, Aries. Number nine, Gringo Loco, your boy. Number I 10, Zen. I loved him. I <laughs> loved Gringo Loco. He was so good. He was so good. He's so much fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So number 10, Zenchi. I am not familiar with Zenchi or his work. Number 11, Aramis. We've seen Aramis before in a bunch of Lucha promotions, Luchador. Number 12, Alex Kane. Not familiar with his work either. <laughs> Number 13 was Myron Reed, who cut that awesome, uh, who was involved in that awesome promo. Um, and then we saw the first of double duty, Savio Vega, coming in at number 14. My boy, 1995 King of the Ring runner-up. Dude. Have you ever seen anyone use a kendo stick the way that Savio Vega used a kendo stick when he came into the ring? No, Savio Vega was like, yeah, like 10 out of 10 on the Sandman scale with the kendo <laughs> stick. That man is proficient. Educated kendo stick. Uh, okay, so let's quickly continue. Number 15, Jordan Oliver, who was one half of the group with Myron Reed uh, in Justice. Number 16, the Beast Man. And uh, Calvin Tankman and the Beastman, boy, they got into it. They did. Uh, um, two big heavy Beastman. Uh, he really reminds me of Phil Margera from Jackass. <laughs> I can see it. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. I just ruined it oh, for Jackass? you. Jackass forever coming out, eh? Yep. I have pretty much no interest in seeing that at all. Same. After watching yeah. death matches, I'm over it. Yeah, you know what? I saw Jackass. Nick Gage is basically human Jackass at this point. <laughs> uh, number 17 and 18 of LAX, Slice, Boogie, and uh, the former Danny Limelight, Rivera. Uh, they they come in. They they brought in, like, a wooden plank. like a, yep. It looked like a door, just a big wooden board. So yep. that was fun. 
Number 19, Matt Cross. Who? You know, I forgot he existed until he came out. Canadian indie legend. Like, Canadian indie absolute fucking, like, notable, stalwart, always in always in indie shows, always on the scene. Uh, shooting star leg drop from Matt Cross. He didn't bust it out in this match, but uh, he was the first person I ever saw did, uh, that did that. Uh, 20th entrant, Boo Koo Dao. Uh, the crowd did not know him. I do not know him either. Number 21 was Marshall Von Erich. I like these young Von Erichs. I wish they got a little more play in the, in this wrestling yep. world. I, I want to see them in NXT. Yep. And it was at this time, around this time, where Beastman really do, started doing his, uh, his best imitation or tribute to Bruiser Brody as he was yelling Huss a lot. Yes, I will, yeah, he's screaming Huss, and then uh, Bam Margera came in and beat the shit out of him on the toilet. Number 22 was EJ Nduka, who, the the judge, and man, this guy's a star. How Triple H and Vince McMahon let this guy go is absolutely beyond my comprehension. Dude, he, and the thing is, so, I don't know how to say this without sounding like a complete jackass and dumbass. Um, MLW has a lot of people who look like they're independent wrestlers. I think this is the best way to say yeah. this, and you know what I mean. I know, I know exactly Duca what you're saying. That is, looks yeah. like he's just made for WWE. Exactly right. Exactly right. That is a very nice way for you to say that they don't have a lot of wrestlers who have good looks. And EJ Nduka has a great look. He looks like he looks like Titus O'Neil in a way, but he's like better in the ring already. He's yeah. fucking humongous. He's a great athlete. And yeah, man, I can't, I, I can't believe they let that guy yep. go. Number twenty three was my favorite wrestler of all time. Go ahead, not even wrestler. Kim Chi. <laughs> Calling him a wrestler is quite a stretch. That's why I said he's not even a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, I actually thought that for sure we were going to get a Kamala uh, impersonator, some kind of Kamala ish gimmick. Probably, thankfully, we did not. But we got Kamala's ex handler, Kim Chi. Yeah. Uh, then number 24 was outlandish Zicky Dice, ex of NWA. Not personally Zicky Dice, not my cup of tea, but uh, he, he did all right. He does like magician spots in the ring from time to time. He pulled out the string from out of his uh, mouth in this one, like the never-ending string. That was uh, weird. Uh, number 25, Kevin Koo. Um, not much to say about him. Number 26, KC Navarro. I have Boris a lot to say about him. This guy. About Casey? Yeah. 22 years old, did they say? Yeah. Um, future star. Future star, this Casey Navarro. Casey Navarro. Yeah, man, he definitely looked like a million bucks in this match. I can see the future is for sure bright. Uh, so that was, I believe, 26. 27, Lance Anawai. Yep. Is he cousin of Roman? Uh, I guess he would be. He is son of head tricker um, Samu. If he's son of Samu, then he is, I believe, cousin of Roman. I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, I would say cousin. Yeah. Lance Anawai, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, lots of uh, lots of uh, you know, uh, fringe Roman family members hanging out around here. Uh, so that was 27. Number 28, the man, the myth, the legend, the victim of the greatest squash match in wrestling history, L.A. Park. Uh, 
looking looking good, looking uh, trim and slim. A nice uh, a nice version of LA Park, you know. It was yeah, looking well, pretty good. And, I love well, it. Because, this is the thing. Yeah, yeah because and, the, that, even, and then we would find out, <laughs> Boris. Well, you can take the, it, take it, buddy. <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> I love it. Uh, even the broadcast team noted that Perk trimmed down, looks great for his age. Um, then Bokini said something seemed fishy inside the ring. Von Eric put Perk in the Iron Claw, removed his mask, revealing that the imposter Perk was Filthy Tom all along. It was the most Scooby Doo moment I've ever seen in pro wrestling. Yeah, pretty great little reveal. And one of a couple people who are doing double dirty here. But then, yeah, uh, Filthy Tom Lawler in the La Parca costume, immediately thrown out and tossed the fuck back home. Number 29. Dude, I want to see more of this guy. He impressed yeah. me a lot. Go ahead. And you know what? Yeah, because I never said that once when he was in WWE. Not once did I say Simon Gotch impressed me but the newly evil part of what's of the group contra that is he's, he's, he's yeah. one of the evil contra guys simon gotch in at 29 and he was actually the first member of contra unit to come out because over the next few places it was a lot of contra unit and i love this because as i mentioned earlier if this is your coming on point if you're jumping on to watching mlw for the first time you know, they really did a good job of showing that this group is serious. This group are your main heel group. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I didn't love the whole presentation during the show where they would, like, cut in. But, you know, they're all right. So, number 30, Sean Devari. Uh, if you remember, uh, Mohamed Hassan's uh, buddy, Sean Devari, on that JTG jacked diet trying to get re-signed by WWE. Someone who is not on the jacked diet, not trying to get re-signed. Number 31, the Blue Meanie. Yeah. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. Huge BWO yeah. chant in with the ECW faithful. Yeah, absolutely, and thankfully, unlike Royal Rumble 1999, he actually uh, had a belt on, and his ass wasn't hanging out. Number 32 was Akiro Kwan. So this was first. Uh, this was Kwan's first match back from a long injury layoff. Again, I'm not super familiar with Kwan. Uh, number 33, Ross Von Erich, the second actual Von Erich brother, uh, went right after the heels, of course. Number 34, Joseph Joseph Samuel. He was a he's a contra member. Um yeah, lots of lots of evil in the group right now. Number 35, Hollywood Alex Hammerstone. Alex Hammerstone is he's a combination of Hulk Hogan and Randy the Ram Robinson from The Wrestler. Yeah. Oh god, yes. Yeah. He's yacked. Yeah, he's a he's a big huge guy. He is the MLW open weight champion, right? Yep. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he is he, he's kind of like he's got a lot of Hulk Hogan in him. He does a lot of Hulk Hogan's taunts to the crowd, his like appeals to the crowd. He is being pushed as the big baby face right now, and he's humongous. Alex Hammerstone, he does a Hulk up spot and the whole shebang bang. So number thirty six was supposed to be one Sentai Death Squad member, but both members entered the match illegally. Boo, Boris. Boo. Uh, number thirty seven was Quang. If you remember Savio Vega's first gimmick in nineteen ninety four, before the Savio Vega character Quang the Ninja 
comes out and uh, he got. And shit he did a great job, quick. just like Savio Vega before him with the kendo stick. Quang did a fantastic job using nunchucks on everyone. Yeah, I thought that was pretty hilarious. Immediately comes in and shit houses people with his weapon. So you kind of know it was him. I thought it was pretty good. Number thirty-eight, King Muertes, the former Mil Muertes uh, of Lucha Underground fame. Number thirty-nine was Gino Medina. Also, yeah, impressive. He he impressed me, Gino Medina. I like him a lot. And number forty, Mads Kruger, part once again of Contra. Yep basically the big bad um so kruger right away attacks hammerstone so again in this match you're starting to get a sense of who's who and who doesn't like who and where people are in the card and i think this was again very fantastic way of you know as the match went on it got better in the sense that you know um they were doing a good job of telling you uh you know where these people stand in mlw and who you should care about and who are the faces who are the heels and who are kind of like the heroes of the day and who are the villains of the day like they did a yeah. great job about that and i was actually a little worried for the first third of this match especially because we didn't even see in um in elimination until 18 so the ring just looked packed it was impossible to see stuff um but as the match went on they did a great job of telling stories and getting you associated to mlw yeah, absolutely. And it's the kind of thing, it's like a solid background watch, but it does also reward you paying it close attention because they did kind of, like you said, do a good enough job of explaining, oh, here's this person, this is where he's from, and this is kind of who he's been feuding with recently. Oh, here's EJ, uh, he's a fucking murderer, he's eliminated 12 people right now, like, oh my God, this guy's crazy, like, he's good. He's a future star. They, they did a really good job. Uh, with the with the presentation and with the announcing, so yeah, yep. good work, easy watch for sure. Yep, and 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 just like any good rumble or battle royal, the last two had basically a one on one match. The last two, it came down to Alex Hammerstone and Kruger, and they essentially had a match to decide the winner. Yeah, so yeah, Hammerstone in at number thirty five, Kruger in at number forty. Big baby face Hammerstone versus big heel Hans Kruger. It's not Hans, Mads Kruger. Sorry. And yeah, it's like you said, yeah, Mads Kruger is a big scary guy with a big scary mask. Kind of looks a little bit like uh, like Mace or T-Bar, dare yes. I say. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thankfully he's not part of that disaster. But yeah, no, this was a really good, uh, really good uh, final two. Uh, Hammerstone hammered up. It was hammer time rather than hulking up. It's hammer time when Alex Hammerstone does it. He uh, gives him a back body drop and a classic clothesline over the top rope to win the battle riot. Uh, Alex Hammerstone gets a title match whenever he wants to cash it in against Jacob Fatu. Yep. Um, it was great. After the match, Hammerstone grabbed the Contra flag out of the corner, tore it in half while Kruger headed to the back. Hammerstone flexed in the ring. You know, this reminded me very much of Hulk Hogan, 91, Hulk Hogan versus Iraq. Uh, it's it just like, it just, Alex Hammerstone, yeah. it just seems like a super face. Um, and at this time, MLW heavyweight champion Jacob Fatu and Joseph Samuel headed back to ringside. Samuel held Fatu back from entering the ring. Two referees joined Samuel in trying to keep Fatu out of the ring. The broadcast team played up Fatu versus Hammerstone now being inevitable. 
the Hulk Hogan influence in Alex Hammerstone is just it's it's palpable, man. You can just see it instantly. He is like a modern Hulk Hogan. I'm not sure if he'll be anywhere near the heights of that, but that is the vibe. That is the character he's going for. He's trying to be the immortal, the immortal Alex Hammerstone. Yep. Yep. So, Matt. What did you think of this battle royal? Like I said, um, go. I asked, I'm not going to answer my own question. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, yeah, no, I thought it was. I, I thought it was pretty good. There are there are things that they could improve on. But for a 90 minute show, if this is the first time you ever saw Major League Wrestling, I think you'd want to see more. You'd be a little intrigued. And uh, yeah, no, I, I thought they did. They did a very good job with it. I almost think 40 is too many. But they can't do – I guess they can't do 30 because that's like two on the nose. But I wonder if, if cutting it in half and making it 20 people and letting stories breathe a little more and kind of like having a little more in-ring action versus like 18 guys come in before there's a, there's an elimination and a lot of people are laying on the floor and a lot yeah. of people – it's a very small ring and you know what I mean? I, yeah. I think it, it was too crowded for sure. That, but that's exactly There's still my- a lot of good in this. Yep, that's exactly my criticism. There is a lot of good of this, as you just said. And like I said, uh, they need to do something. I'd have more eliminations in the beginning, like bam, 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 thank you, ma'am, um, or bring down the number of competitors so let, to let the stories breathe because I feel like Battle Riot is going to be a yearly jumping on point for new fans. Uh, guaranteed, million percent, much like the Royal Rumble is, man. Of course it is. And yeah, you're, yeah, they, they need, yeah, they need less players or to actually get to the eliminations really quick. I would cap this thing at 20 or 25, honestly. I don't think you need 40. Make it 20. Make it like the top 15 contenders and five surprises or whatever it is. But you don't need you don't need 40 because I, it, it, I, as, as good as it was like to watch, like there was a point where like, okay, I'm going to like, you know, clean up a little bit around my house and like go grab a coffee and you know what I mean? Like I'm not like, I wasn't glued to my television for one minute, one hour and 25 minutes, you know, like there are, there are some lulls here that could be cleaned up by cutting it in half. Yep. But I am super excited to continue watching some good old MLW. So having said that, there are many ways that you can get a hold of us. Um, the best way is going to BAMSportsEntertainment.com. Um, there is a contact us form. It'll get to me and I will read stuff. Send us suggestions because we are also doing retro reviews on this show. And I think we're going to have our first retro review next week. Next week? I'm excited. Should we uh, should we announce the show if anybody wants to catch up on it and yes. uh, watch it with us? Let's do I it. I think we're watching the Royal Rumble 1993. It's a show that is near and dear to my heart, and it was listener requested. So we're gonna we're gonna review that next week. Yep, it's gonna be a lot of fun. So go to BamSportsEntertainment.com. You can also find us on the SNME Radio uh, Facebook group. Um, you can add us on Facebook. You can do whatever. You can also follow us on Twitter. All the information, all the ways you can get it to us is on BAMSportsEntertainment.com. I have <sighs> three things. Sorry, before we go. Go ahead. Number one, uh, we're going to go three blue world orders out of five for that battle riot. Uh, 70% blue meanie percentage on the battle riot. Number two... Uh, Boris, get some sleep, buddy. You need to sleep. It's good for you. It's good for your body, your mind, and dare I say your soul. And number three, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah.